0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com host.
1: right it's another egg Chasers rugby podcast i'm tim jb is right there hello tim fresh from the shower by the look of your hair uh yeah exactly right fresh and, from the there's, shower- and there's young homer himself phil how you doing hello uh, right, this podcast is a little bonus podcast where we are looking back at the second test of the 2009 Lions series in South Africa. So if you haven't watched that, you can hit pause right now. If you're a Sky customer, you can find it on the Sky On Demand. It was played at the weekend. Maybe you recorded it then and you can watch it, but it is there to watch On Demand. Or else, go to twitter.com forward slash rugbypodcast and we will put a link so you can watch the game. So you could hit pause right now, watch the game, brilliant game of rugby come back and listen to the podcast or you might remember it in which case you can just carry on and listen whatever you want to do uh, but this was a great game of rugby
2: yeah yeah it was so uh, just a little bit of background to this game okay um well i say background to the game it's got nothing nothing to do with the game a bit of background into me um that's, I, that's
3: far more important as well
2: exactly exactly i was thinking about about his podcast I was thinking Do you know what I actually went to South Africa to watch this there's no way that I need to rewatch this game I know what happened um, and I rewatched it and I had no idea what happened I, mean, I don't what I was doing that day or how drunk I must have been but I did not remember a single bit of it so I went from fully intending to mail it in into watch this in great detail and the more I watched it the more I realized what a flipping brilliant game I was. it's so it's
3: so brutal. It's so it's like old school brutality where there was loads of stuff. There's loads of stuff that got called and, and spotted by the ref, and there was loads of stuff that just got totally overlooked and totally missed. Oh. Like for for example, the the O'Driscoll hit on Danny Russo. Oh my god! The ref, ref just waves, play and play on. <laughs> no, don't need to look at that again. Carry on. No, it,
1: no, wait, no HIA and stuff. Just
3: uh, crack on. <laughs> I mean, Russo did rightly get taken off. Yeah. Uh, O'Driscoll went off about. He, O'Driscoll played on for five minutes or so, which seems just mental these days.
2: Yeah, it is. It's like it's like a different world. Uh, you know, there's certain um, parallels to coronavirus here, which is uh, you can't imagine that world. <laughs> Yeah, we've only been in these... I mean, actually, we haven't. It's been nearly 12 years. I was, I was like 11 years old now. 11, 11 years, years old.
1: Ago. And I think in some respects, this was like the... In some respects, it's a sweet spot because it was... You can tell... You could watch that game of rugby and if someone said to you... If you ignored the haircuts, if someone said to you, this was last year, you could believe it. Yeah. But it's, so so the, the exponential growth of rugby that we've sort of charted through looking at some of these old games through the 80s and through the 90s, by 2009, there's very little difference between the rugby we see then and the rugby we see now. And, but the and brutality, it, though, as it, you point it out. Worth,
3: it is worth to that point. And this, this is the absolute pinnacle of rugby in 2009. This is the apex of it. You've got the world champions um, from two years previous against the the Lions in the defining test match of that tour.
2: So that is the the top. The YouTube header on this is brutal game of rugby or something. Yeah, it's very physical. I mean, it's more physical than I'd like to see at level eight, certainly. (laughs) (laughs) I actually didn't think it was that physical. I didn't think it was as physical as Saracen's Saracen's Exeter or Exeter to lose would be now.
3: There were some monstrous collisions.
2: Yeah. Part, part of the...
3: On, in my mind, part of the physicality is just the, the um, injury toll that it led to for the players. Like, yeah. both props go off for the Lions. Both centres go off for the Lions. Um, uh, Rousseau, Denny Rousseau comes onto the field to replace um, Juan Smith. And then five minutes later, he's taken off and Heinrich Brousseau comes on. And Heinrich Br- Brousseau in his 10-minute cameo is one of the best players on the park. And actually, arguably, is one of the contributors to, the, to South Africa winning it. But the, the attrition rate for the players was huge.
2: Yeah, but uh, it, certainly, it certainly picks up in intensity in its second half. I thought the first half was fairly free-flowing, actually. I mean, there's a little bit of niggle, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't French warfare.
3: I think in the first half it was clear that the Lions wanted to get one up and they they wanted to right the wrongs from the first test and I thought they were the more physical team in the first half. They were a far better team in the first half, I think.
2: Yeah. So I thought about this game and I think like you can split up into, let me get my maths right. Um, Actually, I'm not going to try and do do the maths, but if you look at any five-minute window, right, you could come to a conclusion that either team could have won it. So you look at one five five minute window, you go, Oh my God, South Africa should have won this by a mile. I can't believe the Lions were Lions were still uh, uh, were still in it. You look at another a, a separate five minute window, you think, God, the Lions are battering them. You know, the South Africans South Africans can't stop him, they're scoring at will. Um it's just such a top tier of your game and you can dice it up in any manner of ways. So the Lions battered the South Africans to start with uh, scrum time I think that Smith's decision to play him at tighthead is bizarre it's still bizarre today actually the Lions
3: well, look back to the first test yeah. and, and the first test the South African scrum sorry, I remember watching the first test in Leeds uh, and I watched watched the highlights of it um, having watched this and the first test was totally defined by the Beast's um, introduction to test match rugby because he, he absolutely destroyed Phil Vickery so the first test, the the beast and John Schmidt as props looks absolutely inspired, and then second test when uh, Adam Jones comes in, then
2: pro isn't he? It's absolute pro, particularly in that era when you had the hit.
3: Yes, he he was so valuable when you had the hit.
2: But uh,
1: to go back to John Schmidt, I mean, he won the World Cup, captain in his country at hooker. And here he is in a Lions series against the Lions winning a series as the tight head prop. I mean, that is
2: awesome. phenomenal. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That That's it's just ridiculous. And he can play loose head too, just in case you forgot that. Yeah, you know, that it's, it's not me in any way setting John Schmidt is a bad player. But I would have thought against the Lions you would have wanted I mean, I can see him going from Hooker and then replacing the, the tight head at a different time. But to start him at tight head, in hindsight, and always hindsight is with twenty twenty vision, didn't seem too smart to me. It's and a had, bold call. It's a bloody bold call. And then you had the kicking. Like, South Africa, really, looking at the penalty count, should have smashed the Lions everywhere, just by getting their kicks.
3: Um, yeah, and again, that's um, a difference from the first test. So, Francois Pienaar, Francois Pienaar, Ruin Pienaar yeah, it's good job, Francois Pena wasn't kicking sticks. Um, yes. Ruin Pena in the first test kicked exquisitely, kicked five from six, uh, including some difficult kicks. In this, he missed everything.
1: He missed Wait, every it, single shot he had, except well, sure, the, t- the touchline conversion at the end. No, that's not him. That was insane. Of
3: course, it was. So, so um, Ruin Pena had zero from four, yeah. zero from three, or zero yeah. from four in, from that game, including a couple that were. Five yards to the side of the post, like easy regulation kicks. So that's another thing that was superb in the first test for them, terrible in the second test. Do
1: you know? Do you know the the TV show Casualty? Um, if you've if you've ever watched it in the past, I'm sure you have. It, um, yes, p- particularly with wives who are anesthetists, they probably love it. Uh, anyway, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so an episode of Casualty starts, and you you get flashed up, oh look, there's someone doing a bit of gardening. Oh look, Warren Gatlin's going up his ladder to paint the back of his house. (laughs) Nothing (laughs) could happen here. Watching this game was like watching Casualty because I knew what was gonna happen at the end. I tell you what. It was just impending doom all the way. Oh no, here comes O'Garo, he's come on, oh no.
2: In terms of like writing jobs, there, there mustn't have been many more fun writing jobs then the guy's in charge of writing, writing the opening scenes for casualty. <laughs> That's like, a fair point. <laughs> I mean, you'd have thought at some point you'd run, run out of ways to injure people, but they must be going through the papers looking for, like, weird... You know, a guy goes on rope swing and impales himself, or there are so many things, and so many things they have to come up with constantly. So, Was it, three deaths or three injuries every week? <laughs> it's
3: sports day. What's, gonna get, what's the injury going to be this week? There's shot put, there's hammer, there's javelins.
1: What? I, 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 I reckon they, they imp- probably employ some high-level criminals, <laughs> just <laughs> with dark minds.
2: I wonder if you do it by a bingo, like you have three different bingo pots you have.: <laughs> powerful neck. All right, Tom powerful neck it is. <laughs>
3: <laughs> You're right, though, Tim. It was Sorry I, I mean, in, in that first half, the lines are going so well.: and... OHa, up and under. Jack: Oh, for, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was painful to know what's coming. Even though you are saying like at 65 minutes or whatever it is and the lines are more than a try ahead. Surely, surely you
2: can close it out from here. 30 seconds to go for the draw. I know. 30 seconds. I mean I know what's hap- I know what's going to happen. Um yeah, I still can't imagine how they're going to throw us away.
3: Well even so South Africa were only ahead for three minutes in the whole game. From, oh, right. from the um, Jacques Ferry try in the corner where he runs over O'Gara and then gets past Phillips and Bow, which was an incredible finish. It was and an amazing had, finish. Absolute dominant power finish, guys. Um, but to, from the conversion after that, Monet conversion from the touchline, they're in the lead for three minutes until Stephen Jones levels it. And that, thats it. That's the only time. And then the next time they're in the in the lead is on the final whistle, when the, the penalty goes over.
2: Look, I've seen a lot of my life, a good portion of it—twelve years, isn't it? Nearly detesting Bruno Lagara for this. I felt like he ruined my Lions tour. Um, <laughs> but watching it back, do either of you two feel that maybe people were a bit too harsh on him, given what he was asked to do? And given the circumstances that he found himself in,
1: well, what was he trying to
2: achieve by an up and under? Well, let's just go back to the free try for a start because he misses the tackle there. Do, do you blame him for that? Um, it's a missed tackle.
3: Yeah, it's it missed is. tackle. It's poor, poor body position and a weak tackle five yards out from your
2: own try Also, he's out of position.
3: So he's he's playing he's playing out of position. Yeah. Oh, well, is he playing out of position? Because I think they actually lined him up at 10 and put Stephen Jones at 12 and Tommy Bowe at 13.
2: I, he, think Tom, I think Tommy Bowe played 12.
3: Oh, maybe maybe Bowe 12. and But then yeah. Steve, Stephen Jones 13. Yeah, who so, the hell
2: did 13 then?
3: But this, this was, I mean, this was totally broken play. There was about 10 phases before it. So
2: he no, finds,
3: one, no one's in the, in the
2: right, right position. I had a feeling, you know, he was at fullback. But of course, coney's still on the on the field too. Yeah. I think I think the unless they
3: hid him in one of the earlier phases on the wing. But I don't think they did. But it was anyway. a straight
1: up it was a straight up miss tackle, so yeah, you can blame him for that. But, but tini- just, like, just I, I, hey listen, he's uh, Ronan Nagara's achieved some amazing things and as a coach I really like the cut of his jib a lot. But I much like you, JB, I um I spent a lot of time after this seething at rodenagara as lots and lots of people did he got some heat for this but what 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 was he trying to achieve with that kick i don't understand what the upside of it was uh, yeah it I was re-
3: such a risky risky option because it was it was a bomb from his own 22 yeah when when one of the most important things was all of his forwards all all of the other players because of the game because of the conditions because of the altitude Everyone around him was absolutely knackered. They just wanted the ball to go out. Every single... Like you can see from the body language of all the players, all the lions who stood in front of him, like, he's just going to put this out. He's fine. He's just going to put this out. Or what? at least, at the what? very
1: least, say, okay, well, let's get let's get territory, because if South Africa make a balls up, we can maybe have a pen, or else yeah. they've got to run 80 metres to score. Not, let's... Oh, just I don't understand what the... I don't understand what he was... The best-case scenario is that he catches it, but outside of that, it's it's an awful call. Awful decision.
2: What yeah. kick you see Dan Bigger do when there's nothing else on, and he's kind of you know, within, within the tens. It's just kind of a kick to nothing. If you've got a good chase, turn it into a 50-50. It's not something you do underneath your sticks, in your own 22, with 30 seconds left, in a Lions Test match decider.
3: Yeah. In my only um, defence of Ronan O'Gara is I do wonder if he should have had a HIA before this, because he <laughs> ab- about five phases. Oh, sorry, about five minutes before this, he makes the tackling midfield. I think it's on PSVs, and he goes down hard, and they never zoom in to him. But next thing you know, he's got a bandage round his head, oh, and yeah, he's, you're right, and is forced to carry on because there are no more options left. Everyone is on the pitch. So, may, maybe that kind of clouded his thinking.
2: Yeah. Well, it's not just the kick, is it? It's then the follow up and what happens next. And yes. that's where he could have definitely done something a little bit different. Yes.
3: And that, I mean, that's, that's something that these days all players are taught. Oh, yeah, it, it could be a red, but the, the players chasing the kick are just taught you've got to get off the ground. You cannot go under a ball like that and stay on the ground. Yeah. Because if you're on the ground and the opposite man is in the air, it's not going to end well for your side.
2: Yeah, so I think we can give him a slight pass on the missed tackle. I think there's missed getting, so I just can't. If a guy who control, controls the game for a living, the more you think about it, the more crazy it becomes.
3: Yeah, it's not good.
2: It's, really, it's, really, it's such an odd odd decision. Um. Is Corny, Rob Carney. The best player on the planet for the for those eighty minutes,
3: probably. Yeah, he uh, he he was absolutely sensational under the high ball, wasn't he? I
1: didn't like
3: it yeah. ever. Yeah, he was so a, solid,
1: and and he was a key part of a incredibly handsome team uh, uh, overall. <laughs> you've got to say because in this there were there was your man crush, your rugby man crush, Phil, Tommy, Tommy Boe. Bo. Oh, so that's, Mom, not his... that's not his man crush who is I then even know who his man crush is Puddles, no Paul, Paul Wallace do you ever met him uh, oh. no David Wallace David, David, David
3: Wallace
1: yeah, no, you know I was David? I was just about to say David Wallace I've talked about I've worked with him a few times and I've talked about it he, he's a man crush he's a incredible
2: human being in Hollywood that guy should be in Hollywood he's unbelievable
1: <laughs> 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 then you had Rob Carney as well and Mike Phillips, yes. um, some very some handsome chaps in that line Well, in that team. Definitely. Corny, I
2: mean, the thing which stands out for me about Carney, this game really kind of highlights how he has not so much improved because I don't think you can improve from where he was, but how he has adapted his game. Because if you think about Rob Carney now, you don't think of what he was doing in the Lions tour. You think of someone who is an ultra, you know, ultra professional, knows the role of fullback inside out, solid under the high ball. By the way, he was still solid underneath, underneath, underneath the high ball. But it's amazing how he's changed his game from what it was and how easy it would be. How many players have you seen who burst onto the scene are incredibly explosive and then fade? But I think it's a testament that he's actually stuck with it for so long and changed his game appropriately.
3: Yeah, and has been a model professional for all that time. It has been superb and and the cornerstone of the irish um, backline and team for so long but he, but he I, was he was sensational the, the try wasn't. the high balls pivotal kick the the kicks i mean his his boot with the one exception the one thing he did wrong was the attempted drop goal
1: oh yeah that was a shocker
3: halfway line but kind of everything he touched in the whole of the rest of the game turned to gold so why not
2: yeah, exactly. If if you're him at that point, you think you could do anything. <laughs>
3: yeah, You'd run through brick walls at that point.
1: But I, I love Rob Kearney as a fullback because, I mean, you're right to say his game evolved throughout his career. But fundamentally, the one thing that was always the, always the bedrock of his game was he was so solid defensively, positionally, and high ball. I that I love fullback I I love a ball I love a fullback with like 30% boring
3: Yeah it's, I and you're right I would trade a little bit of the uh, Minozzi, uh the Italian fullback who's got the razzle dazzle but can be a bit flaky I, for, certainly for an international fullback for a team that I'm going to support I would definitely trade a little bit of that for a little bit of extra Rob
2: Carney or Ben Smith Well I was amazed he even played the reason I say that I remember I don't know if I mentioned this I was there um, (laughs) first test and this is the time when I'm pretty sure there's a very very good Welsh team a very good Welsh team and Lee Byrne was the man the absolute man I was devastated to see Rob Corney picked uh, picked ahead of Lee Byrne because I thought that no one can be better than him
3: yeah so um, Lee Byrne was picked for the first test yeah. Carney came on for Leeburn in the first test. Um, and you, you're right. So, Wales won the Grand Slam the year before, and Ireland won the Grand Slam that year. So, th- those were the two best teams at the time. Uh, and it, it, was, it was interesting to see that although England made the World Cup final two years previously, they contributed very few players yeah. to this because uh, England were fairly poor at this point in time, it was, they almost fluked um, a World Cup final, if that is such a thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. That actually... It's true, it's very true. When you look at other selections, um, like Luke Fitzgerald over Shane Williams, seems odd now, when you look back, again, hindsight 2020, but you, I was sort of going, did Luke Fitzgerald really start over Shane Williams? But then the week before Hugo Monnier had started, um, and, and Fitzgerald, yeah. Fitzgerald came in for him.
3: So Ugo missed a couple of very good try-scoring opportunities in that first test. And that, yeah. that that led to it opening up for for Fitzgerald, who, again, I think was seen more as a a stable, solid option.
1: And, of course, the, the other selection, another guy that came on off the bench, which, again, I went, what? He came off the bench? But, of course, this is 11 years ago. But Alan Wynne-Jones was started on the bench.
3: And once, once again, this is... Um, the advocacy, the importance of a tight headlock. Because Alan Wynne-Jones started in the first test, England, uh, England, Lions got battered in the scrum. Therefore, you want 36-year-old, 19 and a half stone lump of a man, of Simon Shaw, starting as a tight headlock.
1: Man of the, man of the series. Didn't he get man of the match in test three? I think um, Jamie Roberts was man of the series, wasn't he? Jamie Roberts was. I think Simon, Simon Shaw might have got man of the match in the final test. Ah, uh, Okay.
2: Amy Robbins is definitely man of, the, man of the series. Yes. He's 22 at the time. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. 36, my age. Uh, in fact, we've got a lot in common as we are right now. Um, you think, like, you know, he's just a big lump. His thing's ball carrying still. Exploded ball
3: carrying. He, he was very good. He was good all round because they were dropping
2: the restarts onto him. And he was solid every time. Yeah. He was very unfortunate, I think, not to get a lot more caps. A lot more caps. He had Martin Johnson ahead of him. Um, Beke yeah. Grucock. Well, it's not those guys that about the team. It was bloody Martin Cory for the World Cup. So the final World Cup spot apparently was a toss-up between Martin Cory and Simon Shaw. And sadly, he, he, he didn't go. Uh,
3: flexibility of Martin Corrie. Mm. Second row, back row.
1: On South Africa, for a second, they, it's, it's quite interesting to watch this one. And I, I... South Africa, I think my point is, South Africa have never, ever, in the history of me watching South Africa, ever played a different style. Horrible, horrible, nasty horrible. forwards. Horrible forward forward pack. And 9 and 10 that are all about the tactical kicking and steady eddies generally. Marshall in, the, Marshall in the team their, their pack play do
2: you know like zombie movies there's two types of zombies there's the mindless ones and there's the crazy ones they, they play like the crazy ones exactly <laughs> exactly
1: and, and then they have a, a little bit of sp- a stardust sprinkled in the back line uh, yeah. as well as having some huge men but that's
2: always how South Africa have ever played I know bit, let's all be honest now who remembers Jacobs in the centre AD Jacobs no yeah, yeah. I was like, who was this guy? But he he had a great game. He really
1: he really did. He was keeping Jacques Ferry on the bench. And saying on South Africa, Pierre Speaks, best rig ever to step onto a rugby field.
2: <laughs> just I I wish Pierre Speaks was better than he was. I always say this. Like he had the potential to be the best eight of all time by some distance. He just I just don't think he was very good. There you go, I've said it. He was massive. He's an incredible specimen. I think he probably played at... No, hang on. Hang on. What I'm saying is, not he wasn't very good. He wasn't very good compared to how I expect him to be.
3: He's got the raw materials to be the best ever, as you just said. And yeah. He was He was a, a solid international player who never lived up to
2: the potential. Having raw materials is often a problem. I look at Saudi Arabia. Completely oil-reliant, backwards sort of society, back... Backwards economy? Why? Because they because they rely on their naturally gifted um, na- natural resources. Same with P- same with P- Pierre Speas. He was too lucky to have all the things that he had, and therefore didn't work as hard as hard as he should have. Is,
1: is he like the the inverse of Thomas Waldrum?
2: Yes. Yes. At, he's the inverse of everyone that plays at Exeter Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: so. Two of the most talented uh, athletic back rows to ever play the game actually were playing in this game and neither of them did a single thing. PS Beast and Tom Croft. I was just, just willing for those two to get some open ball running at any point in the game and it just never happened. Yeah. Did Stephen uh,
1: Ferris get injured in early, in the se- early in the tour? I seem to remember. No, remember we... it, it was him and Tom Croft were the two blind sides really,
2: weren't they? He was banned, mate. He got picked and he got banned because in the final of the Pro 12 or whatever the hell it was, Celtic League or whatever it was called by then, he was caught for gouging. Do you not remember that? No,
3: you're thinking of Alan Quinlan.
2: Oh, I am. Yes, you are
1: thinking of Alan Quinlan.
3: So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just looking. Stephen Ferris er, er, was originally selected, but then uh, withdrew because of injury. Um, so he very was Stephen Ferris. Yeah, very Stephen Ferris. I'm surprised that uh, Tom Croft didn't have the same. <laughs> yeah. um, Tom Croft was the replacement for Alan Quinlan, actually.
2: Ah, uh, Just looking at the team, and, Andrews Backey, he was a guy who I felt never, never quite became what he should have. Whether that is because he's behind to the best second row ever to live, I ever, don't know. Ever, but, ever, ever, ever. Ever, yeah. the best and ever. Is it, is in pairing. fact,
1: is in, in the modern age, is there a better ever international lock pair than... Mayfield and both both are around this era. Um,
3: the only one that springs to mind is that more, slightly more recently is the New Zealand pair of and Whitelock. They're pretty good, aren't we? they? They um, are K- fairly handy.
2: Very hard to compare second rows because uh like so we'll look at Kay and Johnson, obviously an awesome pairing for their time. But frankly, you know. An average, sec- an average Premiership second row would take the money off them, though. Uh, it's just, you know, it, it, it develops so quickly. So, mm, that said, I still think these two hold up. I, I, yeah. I
1: think these two hold up. And I also think that, for the reasons we talked about earlier, that by 2009 the professionalism of the game was at, at a height where we we no longer saw this exponential development.
2: Yeah, yeah But also,
1: fair. I think it's just it's just the balance and the blend of those two. Matt Field as an awesome line-out forward and a ball player and Baki's Bota as the most brutal lock I think I've ever seen play the game. Sensational tight-head lock.
3: Yeah. Bacchys is the
2: epitome of a tight-head lock. Yeah. Um, do you remember Dean Grayling? I don't know why that, why, why, why that, my, why that name came to mind. Yes. Uh, the reason I just bring him up is because Tim said the, the most brutal second row. I thought, oh, I must correct him now. Um, have a look at some of the highlights from Dean Grayling, who is an absolutely... I, I guess he never made it because A, he wasn't as good as Bacchus Botha and Bacchus Botha was, um, was ahead of him. But look at his highlights if you want to watch some brutal se- second row play. I'll, uh, I'll oh, just that just looking this at a picture of him. The guy, he looks more like a prop. My God, he's huge. <laughs> <laughs> he's enormous. <laughs> He's, an old, he's like Mitch Lees, but nastier.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: my God, he's a lock. Oh yeah. my word. I'm not sure what weight he is, but he's a big old unit. He looks like a
1: tight head, not a tight head lock, a tight head prop. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure he's
2: sure no, spent... no, no. I'm sure you're right. Yeah, I'm sure he spent most of his time in France. He's... he's... He, oh my god, he's 34. Although he's he's listed as a loose head prop, no, he's definitely a second row, he's 100. Maybe he's li- maybe he's shifted here.
1: as he's maybe he's sort of shifted as he's gone through his career.
2: Hang on, I'm, I hope I don't look like an absolute idiot. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure he. <gasps>
0: Uh, and is it
1: out (laughs) you must have been you must have been thinking about someone else I'm sure there is a player you're thinking of no it's definitely him but he maybe he
2: just had some brutal highlights
1: that are worth watching anyway
2: no it can't be him because I watched all of his there must be someone else is there another Grayling there hmm we'll come back to that because (laughs) I'm sure that this guy should be retired now (laughs) 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 he's actually Actually, uh, we'll come back to that. Okay. Um, back to the game. You don't mean
1: AC Grayling, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the absolute the no, guy no, on he... Twitter who just goes off. I can imagine you loving his tweets.
2: No, but he is equally
1: as nasty. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, back to the game. Yes. So two of the three tries from South Africa were... Nifty backs move set, set play first phase backs move, which brought the wingers in from the blind side winger into the line and caused a bit of confusion in between, well, really in between the pat and first defender, which was I think uh, Luke Wallace in one of the occasions and Stephen Jones on the other.
2: Yeah, it's disappointing that, isn't it? I think, I mean, obviously, it's 12 years ago, but when they look at the film, uh. In in the morning, they would have been mortified. But the thing which unstitched them was two first-phase plays after everything they went through. And two first-phase
3: plays targeting what's what's basically a known weakness that you should be aware of, that that gap in between the scrum or the line-out and the first defender. And both were unbelievably simply executed. And... It's um, equally as surprising or even more surprising that Sean Edwards was the defence coach and you see such basic exploitation. Who
2: who was the coach, coach? Um, No, Ian McGeekin. Yeah, I thought it was. Because I was going to bring this up at the start. It is quite obviously not a Gatlin team. Jamie Roberts, Gatlin Ball. But it wasn't Gatlinball. ball. You mean you watched this? Specifically, the first no, top, It, it wasn't. It wasn't
1: McGeecon no. clearly went for the same thing that they went for in '97. And I was thinking about the across the team that they, they went for the quicker forwards and the more ball playing forwards, which they did. With you know, you had Gethin Jenkins at loosehead, um, guys like Tom Croft who was speed across the ground, um, as we said. And then in the back line, they had in '97 Scott Gibbs and Jerry Guscott. and big man. And a gas man, and they and the, you know they had the perfect little foil for that Robertson and O'Driscoll.
3: Yeah, the class it is a classic uh, big man
2: and nifty man uh, combination for the centres. I'm I'm going through 915 Springboks now to try and find the man that I want. <laughs> um, here's a question for you. Mm-hmm.
3: Francois Steyn. Yeah. So won two World Cups. Um, won the Lions tour um, starting at fullback for the Lions tour um, would have been until this year when I think he's moved back to the Cheaters um, now that he's what 34 or 35 he would have for a reasonable period of time been one of the highest paid players in France yeah where does he count in the all-time greats
1: because well,
3: I, yeah, I don't, I don't even think he's in the
1: conversation. You're absolutely right. As you were saying that, I was, and also, will he be? He'll be putting it in for one more year to try and. Because if he, he must be the only player to potentially win two World Cups and two Lions Series. Yes, hmm?
3: probably. There can uh, Oz,
1: Oz, Durant wasn't didn't align at the at the same time where they were playing in South Africa. So it's, but that that would. You'd have to say put him up there with the greats, or certainly he should be regarded a lot higher than he currently is because I think your observation is absolutely spot on that he he never gets mentioned, least of all by me. Yeah, me neither. I mean, he, he when he won the world cup, he was starting in the centers. Um,
3: he started at 15 in this series. He's I'm sure he's got caps at 10 as well, so he's got the talent to play right across the back line. Um, he's a big, strong boy, very physical, but also an incredible range of skills. Now, I'm not actually saying, I, I still, even with all that, even with all those, like those fundamentals being there, I'm still not sure I would have him in the conversation for any of the positions he's
2: played to be one of the all-time greats, but, but it's just an interesting if, observation. Mm. What if he wasn't so amazing at age 19, banging over drop goals from the touchline slash halfway line? I mean, that... Ten yards inside his own half. Yeah, I mean, I think it was such an incredible debut. He could never keep up with that. I, I do wonder, when
3: I was thinking about this myself, I do wonder if that um, ability to play across multiple positions means that he's never really cemented a, a full starting spot in any of them.
2: That would be another point I'd make, definitely. Which
3: That'll is the look. old Henry Slade or Austin Healey yeah. type problem
2: equally
1: it could be part of the reason why he's a, a two time world cup winner because he might not have been the best in the best in his posi- in any one position but the fact he can actually operate in multiple makes him ideal for a squad
3: a squad of 31
1: but that said like you've pointed out he started in world cups at,
3: yeah he started that in the in the first world cup in yeah. 2007 he, he was more of a squad player in in 2019 yep. but he also started in a different position was first traced in a different position in the
1: successful Lions test <laughs> oh. it's a phenomenal career and you're right to point out that you should get more more respect for it because that there are every other player that's won two world cups and there's not many
3: there are not uh,
1: many. they're they're all in the conversation
3: yes mm.
2: yeah definitely it's a good point mm. How are you getting on, JB? I'm on player 711.
1: Um, (laughs) I'll I'll just say Uh, this. Adidas rugby stash is great. uh, Which one? Adidas in general. I love Adidas and the Lions just just works. I don't know who's doing the Lions kit next year, actually. Um,
2: Umbro. I'd like Sergio Ticini to do it.
3: Nice.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I
3: feeler, if we're going to go for retro, with Umbro coming in, if we're going to go for retro, feeler would be quite a cool retro one. Yeah,
2: yeah. anything that Danny Dyer wears. We'll go.
3: <laughs> have you been watching certain programmes on Netflix, JB? I
2: have, actually. I've just started out White Lines. Oh,
1: I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've I've heard very mixed reviews about that. they acting a bit dodgy, apparently, but is it good?
2: Garbage.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, it is so bad. It's... It, it's monumentally bad acting. The storyline's fairly amusing. It's kind of entertaining, a little bit funny in places. The only reason it stands on its own two feet is because the Spanish actors are good. Or maybe they're bad, but I don't know because they're in Spanish. <laughs> but there
1: you go. Another reason to watch Better Call Saul. If you just want a great show with some Spanish actors in it, get Better Call Saul on. JB, you need to watch this thing.
2: Yeah, I've seen the first first series. I, I will. As soon as I've finished White Lines, because I'm guaranteeing you, there's not going to be a second series. So So you you
1: go all in. When you start watching something, you see it through, even if you think it's not very
2: good. No, far far, far from it. I watched the first series, and then we'll see. I mean, I'll give you an example. I really enjoyed Breaking Bad, but it's just so long. In the end, I read the last three episodes on Wikipedia.
3: That is a disgrace. (laughs) (laughs) That is an absolute disgrace. It's one of the (laughs) all-time best pieces of television.
2: (laughs) Okay, this is great. Watching. I know when it, I know when it was. fast forwarding through, like doing the bit of dead bits of dead time where there's just getting a bit of a, a bit of atmosphere. <laughs> 10, ten seconds, ten seconds, ten seconds. So when you get to that point, you just don't bother.
1: <laughs> and the last dance, the last two episodes of the last dance. Have you have you nailed them today?
2: I've not. No, yeah, I'm saving
3: them for special occasion. I'm a, I'm on episode five, I think. I'm yeah. loving
2: it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm down to um. Dick Mueller now, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give up on this. I'll I'll look for him when we're not doing a podcast. Sensible.
1: I look forward to it. No, my, my, what started. I don't know how we got off onto that tangent, but Adidas and rugby kit. I love the, the the French kits in the 80s were great, and there's just something about the Lions jerseys with the Adidas three stripes that I just I just like the three stripes around the top of the socks, the three stripes down the side of the shorts.
2: Yeah, it. it is good look. Uh, I wonder um, is it the memories attached to that look
1: possibly possibly the the 97 thing
2: when yeah, yeah. so it's only fair that I tell you where I watched this game because I don't know if I mentioned it I was there at the time and in South Africa South Africa so I went to watch the first test um, where was the first test uh, Durban uh, okay yeah we had one of the uh, one of the best times ever going around South Africa as a bunch of lads tour between I don't know, the youngest must have been 19, the oldest must have been 28, 30. <laughs> hired a, a couple of minibuses. W- what a couple of weeks. Um, the, some of lads did actually go to this test. And when they went there, they said the Lions were practicing their line outs in the car park in their flip flops, which, nice, which is a nice little detail, d- detail for you. So the fans gathered around and watched them pr- practice their line outs. Great way to uh, break an ankle. Uh, yes,
1: I think, uh, that, that seems to, I think that's a fairly standard thing that teams do because in the um, All Blacks documentary series we covered there's a couple of times when they're in just out the back of the hotel on a bit of tarmac
2: just doing some walkthroughs of line-outs Yeah, and also, don't the barbarians often train in the park? They, that they, like- yeah, that's a, that's a done thing, they do train in the park So yeah, you can do it um, I watched this in Sun City Casino which is a great place to go and, I know I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again, I won tickets to um, go to an R. Kelly concert, which I showed up. And I was the only white guy in the entire, it wasn't even a concert, it was the after party, the R. Kelly after party. And I won these by buying overpriced Miller Lights from, from the Miller girls who were parading around. Uh, and every time you bought a case of beer, they'd give you a scratch card. And I told this girl, look, I'm not going to win. Keep it. So she kept it, and then half an hour later she came up to me saying, look, you've actually won. I scratched it off for you, and you won a ticket to the R. Kelly after party uh, with a plus one. So, uh, me and the most devout Catholic you've ever met went to the R. Kelly after party, and R. Kelly pretty much stopped singing because everyone else was in cool leather jackets. A lot of people had shades on indoors. We were in washed out cotton, co- cotton rugby shorts, flip flops, and my pink Stad Francais top.
1: <laughs> i just apologize for dropping my microphone as you were telling that story <laughs> amazing story uh, it's, it just sounds like the modern day equivalent of um people in western movies walking into a saloon bar and everyone's just <laughs> stopping and turning around and staring the music comes to a total stop oh,
2: yeah so uh, yeah that's that's how i spent my second test and also I mean, we were so smug. We were all watching, it. it's kind of like an indoor amphitheater. It's the only way I can kind of d- describe, it. Like, like a theatre, but we had these weird sort of curved, I, I don't know, it's, it had sort of desk, desks like in, in, um, in front of the seats, but it's stepped down. And for the whole game, we were basically being very, very bolshy, not bolshy, that's not a word, mouthy, I guess, supporting the Lions drinking with these South Africans and then for those three minutes almost every South African in the entire place started standing on the tables mar- marching up and down it was devastating <laughs> the... Ugh, what's it, what's
1: it? I've, I've never been to South Africa um, awesome. though, though, I'm sure there'll be some people thinking about the, the Lions Tour next year touch wood that there are no issues mm. with crowds and gathering and all the rest of it I, I'm hopeful on that front but um, like you were, you were a young man at the time. You're a you're were a slightly older chap. You're 12 years older than you were, nearly 11 years older than you were. Still a top place to go. Would you think it's a young man's tour or what? What would you say? Oh, uh,
2: well, me and Phil went at the same time two years ago. Mm. So,
1: oh, of course.
2: We went a slightly, I went I went slightly younger, a younger individual. I can tell you right now, it is one of the best countries on uh, on earth go touring. I don't know what. um New Zealand is like, although I've been to Anglesey so you know, I can reference it I've got no idea about Australia, I'm sure it was very nice, but for me there's something about South Africa where you know, it's an enormous country you know, there's so much, so much to see there's so much wilderness, there's, so, there's big cities, there's absolutely everything there, there's wine regions you can do the grown up stuff, you can do the children's stuff, you can get eaten by a shark, should you wish you can do anything you want it's brilliant Plenty of
1: apex predators to get eaten by, actually, in that country. Loads,
2: loads of apex
3: predators. If you want to find something that will kill you, you you don't have to go too far in South Africa.
2: Ask a Baldwin. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I I I would echo everything JB said. I absolutely loved it. the The wine regions, the the food is sensational, and like the the high end stuff and the bry stuff and the meat, it's just unbelievable. The wildlife stuff, both on the coast and inland and in Kruger and in the other national parks, it's just, it's absolutely stunning.
2: Uh, I couldn't recommend Cape Town enough. And coast, uh, Stellenbosch is maybe the most beautiful town I've, I've ever seen.
3: Oh, uh, Franschuk.
2: Oh, how is the... all,
3: all of the wine regions around there are incredible, but I, I loved Franschuk which is a little French colonial town, it, wine region. It, it's a <laughs> tiny town.
2: Sorry, I know this is a rugby podcast, but um, is that the one with the train running up and down it?
3: There's uh, there's like little... Um, I think there is a train, actually. Yeah. They certainly have li- little old-styly um, old, old um, bus car type Yeah, that one. Carts. Yeah. So yeah.
2: that it's amazing. You'll love it. Durban, yeah. Cape Town.
3: And, and it's... Um, the rand is one of the few currencies in the world that is still weak against the pound. So yeah. put it, you get a bargain.
2: This way. When we were twenty-one, right, we did things on a budget. It was seven rand to the pound, and we lived like kings. When I went there again, um, a little bit more successful in 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 life, it was twenty-four rand or twenty rand to the pound. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable.
3: Yeah, and and twenty twenty rand would get you a. A uh, pint of beer or a, a very nice glass wine, and the, the wine some of the wine there is sensational. And, mm. and for a few, for I don't know, 50 to 100 rand, you'd get a massive steak. Uh, it just awesome, aw- absolutely awesome. Yeah. I we- wonder,
1: I, I do. Oh, sorry, go on, JB. Uh, have we sold it to you yet? Oh, oh, 100%. I was just gonna say, I wonder if the fact that the European Championships is gonna be next summer. Not exactly the same time, and the Olympics now is going to be next summer. Whether that will affect the number of people, uh, well, and just the whole economy, and the fallout from this, and or some people might maybe tentative about travelling. I wonder if that, how much, if at all, that will affect the Lions tour.
2: Well, do you know? What? I don't think it'll affect it much, much at all. Well, yeah, pound, pound. Let me just let me just calm down a bit there.
1: Maybe it'll mean that um, reporters and stuff, and uh, and and uh, podcasts and stuff will be spread quite a, spread quite thin, and you know.
2: One of the work they, out there. One mm. of the things um, in, the, in the commentary, and it always baffles me that they say this, and, uh, but they always go, I, I can't believe it. Uh, the crowd is full of red. I was like, well, of course it is. It's a lion's talk. I mean, <laughs> it's always full of red. That's what the lions do, is it? They show up, show up in your backyard and they fill up your stadium. Um, I think if there's going to be a difference, it might be there's not so much red, but these stadiums will definitely be packed out because for a lot of people, the Lions coming isn't actually that good a thing you know you wait 12 years the Lions show up but then you know ticket inflation goes through the roof and you can't get any tickets anyway to watch your national team so it'll be a great opportunity for a lot of people who wouldn't normally see the Lions to watch the Lions so it'll be a, it'll be good either way
3: it'll be very it's definitely worth going it's mm. worth any if you can get to South Africa go to South Africa it's superb mm. Um, what
0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
3: One more thing for me that I've not mentioned so far. Um, on the Rob Carney try, did you notice the exclamation that uh, Stuart Barnes made about the covering tackler.
1: No. No.
3: He said um, something along the lines of, oh, has done phenomenally well there, because J.P. Peterson, one of the best oh, covering yeah. tacklers in the world, is coming
1: across to try and stop him. Yes, I did notice that. I raised my <laughs> eyebrows. Yes, I did remember him saying that.
2: I watch a lot of rugby. I mean, a lo- I, a fact, between all three of us, I, we all watch a lot of rugby. Would you all agree with that? Uh,
1: it's a fair a bit. it's a fair it's a fair more than the average yes
2: I, I could not put together my definitive list of top five cover tackles but yeah, <laughs> Bonds, no, Sam there? Underhill
1: Sam Underhill's against New Zealand will be on the top five
2: yes yeah. no no not cover tackles cover tacklers cover tacklers <laughs> yeah people who's I mean Lee Halfpenny
1: that's <laughs> a good point
2: I've got one Lee Halfpenny that's it yeah I'll give you
3: a Lee Halfpenny
2: Hmm. everyone else, they're not known for cover, for cover sackling. And I would go one further. JP Peterson is certainly not. Known.
3: <laughs> <laughs> He's not in the top five. You're saying JB.
2: I, I, well, I don't know. He might be <laughs> an astonishing piece of analysis by Stuart Bonds If he knows that, I mean, that's why worth like worth the big bucks. Absolutely. Just, there's no way that I would know. I would know that or anyone else in the world. So I, 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 guess...
1: I did like miles Harrison at one point. Um, a description he used of a Mike Phillips run, which I think, I think we might have hinted that Mike Phillips was his man crush. But he just he said, a rugged ball carry from Mike Phillips.
2: Uh, <laughs> well, because he's, uh, well, uh, I mean, he basically, uh, I don't like this very much. He's a dick. Like he, but not in a bad way, in the way that you want someone on, on, on your team. The more you watch him, I mean, if you try and watch him from a neutral's point of view, this is 12 years down the road, you can just watch it, can't you, as just an you know, impartial observer. You must, he must be the worst player to play against. And I think this sums it up. When he's in the corner, him and O'Driscoll, I mean, O'Driscoll's a very nice man, but he's also an incredibly hard man. And then there's Mike Phillips, who's a complete wind-up merchant, and probably pretty hard himself, actually. And that niggle in him, it, just, it must drive you insane. And because he's a big guy as well who can carry and shrug people off when they're not expecting it, it just it, I can't imagine how irritating he is to play against. And he was actually the
3: perfect nine to have in this game because it was such a physical game and he was so physical. And there's a number of times where he cleaned up balls that um, had come loose and then made five or ten yards just because of his strength. But mm. there were also times when some of
2: his passing was so slow and so inaccurate. Thank you for this. So I wanted to... I, I was thinking this about Mike Phillips, right, which is he was misunderstood. And I'm going to have to sort of have a little think about how I put this. When I watched the Bath-Wigan game, right, something which stood out to me was how fast the nine passed the ball. I don't mean how fast the ball was from floor to the nine's hand, to going. I mean, literally, how long that nine must have spent whizzing that ball out. And I think Mike Phillips gets an awful lot of stick for not having a fast pass. But I also think it's one of the most overrated aspects in rugby is having a fast pass. What you want is the ball recycled quickly. And they're not, and they're not the same thing. And I think he did a really good job of recycling the ball quickly without having a, a lightning fast pass, if that makes sense.
3: It, it does make sense. I think some of his distribution was not up to scratch. And there are times when he should have passed off his left hand and he actually turns his whole body to pass off his right hand. And because, of the, because he's basically facing his own try line, the trajectory of the ball is away from Stephen Jones. So mm. there, there were times when the whole thing was a bit of a mess. But he still had, he even taken into account what I, I would deem as poor passing overall, he had a great game. I, he was the right man to be playing nine in that game.
2: Has there ever been anyone like him since?
3: There was always mini Mike Connor Murray, but he's not even... No, he, they're he's not- a totally different... Yeah, that that was more from he's quite tall and he looks quite handsome. Yeah, I mean, what was
2: Mike Pellett, Six foot three? Maybe six foot four? Some Something like that, yeah. Now, allegedly, when he was younger, the problem they had is they couldn't put enough weight on him, which is ridiculous. And he also used to play centre. I watched him playing for Sanathalie in the centre. So he's, um, he's six, listed as
3: 6'3 and 101kg.
2: Yeah. Now, in his later days in Sale, his issue was he couldn't keep the weight on. So, you know, he would be looking at gaps and running through them, but he, w- he wasn't 101kg in, in his last few, few years of Sale. Definitely not. And then he'd get absolutely slammed everywhere.
3: Yeah, so, he's used to hitting the, the shoulders
2: in the tackle and bouncing off, but not bouncing off. Yeah, so I guess there is a point there, which is you can only be a physical scrum half for so long. And actually, you can get really far doing it, but it won't last forever.
3: Was he at sale at the same time as Stringer?
2: Of course he was. Is what there- a G-
3: yeah, what a duel. Is there any, ever been a disparity between the quality of the pass between two players? <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, it, it's a, so Peter Stringer, I honestly believe, could have stayed at sale for another two years. He was that good. He was so, 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 so good there. And I think he got, I think he, in Minster, was really good. And then he got a little worse. And then he kind of lost his way a little bit in Newcastle. Maybe he didn't have, you know, didn't quite, find his feet then he went to Saracen's and got better And by the same he went to Bath he was amazing he he was reborn in his his premiership years and then he came to Sale and he was absolutely brilliant I think it was an injury that did it for him in the end but uh, yeah I think that was also a time when Sale didn't have quite the resources that they currently did and it's a case of I mean classic Steve Diamond get bits and pieces from everywhere even if the two pieces look completely different plug him in and a game plan to make sure that you stay up
1: there you go Diamond's mantra
3: Everything
2: one thing, leads everything back leads school.
1: back to Dimes. What well, one thing we got to mention before we 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 leave this game is the the gouging by Scout Berger. Now it was spotted by the t- by the assistant referee. It was not dealt with by a TMO because that wasn't a thing eleven years ago. Uh, referee oh. giving yellow oh. card, which was which was lenient, um, and that's fine. But what, what I did like is I, I didn't. I was watching it and I wasn't kind of really angry about it. Go on.
2: But there was, there was a TMO there, right?
1: No. The,
2: yeah, yeah, there was. Because it's really, oh, yeah. In touch. yeah. Oh, yeah, you're so, right.
3: I think at yeah. so, that point in time, it was only for uh, the the grounding of the ball for tries or certainly the scoring of tries. It wasn't for other stuff.
2: I I mean, I need to watch this again, though. I think it's amazing. I'm sure that... I'm sure they go to the TMO for this. For, for what? For, sure they do.
3: They don't. So it's the it's the um, touch judge, assistant referee, who says the words he uses to the referee are, and he probably should have been a bit more clear with this, but he says it's um, contact with the eye, at least a yellow card is what he says to the referee. which Min- Absolute minimum. Which feels like a bit of a cop-out because... It's either gouging or it's not. And if it's gouging, it's a red card. There's, there's no <laughs> no two ways about it. Yeah. Contact with the eyes is a red card. So he sh- he's the one that saw it. The ref did not see it. He should have been more clear.
1: Exactly what my point was going to be. I was going to say that I did quite like how the decision was made, albeit it was the wrong decision. I like that the decision was made it was referred to a couple of times in commentary, but not in an egregious way, not with replay after replay after replay, and the game just moved on and everyone just dealt with it. And I did quite like that element of it, where it's kind of the unintended consequences of getting the right decision and having the TMO able to be involved a lot, as we have now, is that we do have these really long stop downs and and it just leads to debates and social media only exacerbates that and then it dominates newspaper articles rather than actually... Focusing yeah. on the bit we love, which is the 80 minutes of the game.
2: Yeah, it, not only is it making, does it bring more continuity to the game, but I felt that it was it was just the right side of violence. Like it wasn't too violent; it wasn't fists swinging everywhere. Uh, I, you know, the bit I mentioned before about Mike Phillips. I'm pretty sure there were a few el- elbows to faces, but nobody died. Um, now, I don't know how you get that back into the game or even if you want it back into the game, I'm just saying when I watched, when I watched the whole uh, test match, I felt that it was the right side of violence. Not too much, but
3: enough.
2: The <laughs> violence. And God, it was exciting.
3: Yeah. E- even now, even 11 years later, knowing what's happening, knowing exactly how the story's going to go, it was a bloody exciting test match to watch. I loved it.
2: Bad. I don't really want to see someone like Daniel Rousseau fall over and be separated from his senses. So, yeah, maybe yeah, look, I, look I, I, I'd like to see a dust-up, but on it, when I think about it, actually, I'm not that bothered that everyone hits lower and harder, and it's equally it's ferocious, if not more ferocious now. Great
1: game, though. Great game.
2: Wonderful. Yes. Here's Good a question. Would you rather lose test, match, test matches like this, playing in that McGee can much more fluid, much more beautiful way, or win the Gatland way? What's more important? Win at all costs. Yeah. I win at all costs. But I still loved loved how they went about their business. Yeah, def- definitely.
1: But I'd rather lose the McGeekin way 2009 than lose the Woodward way in 05.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think we can all agree on that. Yes. Have, I, I, it'll never get old. It'll never get old. Alistair Campbell... They took Alice Campbell as a press secretary. That's mental, isn't it? Still to this day, that is the biggest indulgence.
3: <laughs> and if, if it worked, if it had worked, if the Lions had won in 2005, you would have seen every single team up and down the land having a press secretary. But yeah. thank, thank goodness for, for the future of rugby that they didn't win.
2: Dominic Cummings, scrum coach.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but about like Kellyanne Conway with the England team, Eddie Jones brings her in. <laughs> She'd be
2: great. She would be absolutely great.
1: The new the new uh press secretary in, in the states is amazing. I've seen her. Yeah, she's got she She new- is she right. is formidable.
2: They seem to be going through press secretaries a rate of knots I've noticed.
1: Mm. This this new one's a keeper.
2: Yeah, she's very very <laughs> Some very, very nifty highlights. Uh, right. I think we're if we're talking about uh, if we're talking about 445's press press secretaries,
1: I think we've done it. I think that's a good call. Uh, we'll work out what next week's homework is and let you know. Uh, at rugby podcast on Twitter, uh, JB's at JB or I'm at Cocker, Phil is lurking. Uh, until the next time, hit subscribe and we'll see you then. Let the boys play. Let the boys play.